All right, welcome back to the Spinner Rack. Uh, we are talking about Marvel's new universe, an independent, self-contained comic book universe and publishing line uh, from Marvel that started in 1986 with eight new titles. Uh, this was basically the first all-new shared universe from scratch, right? and the idea was used again later, but this was the first, right? And so, as always, uh, this is Andy. And I'm Stephen. There you go. Right. We always bungle the intro, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Scripts for everyone. That's what we need. You need to practice the intro for six hours, you said. And I was like, yeah, no way, man. Just wing it. It'll be great. Trust me. <laughs> practice. Who needs practice? So anyway. <laughs> Let's see. So yeah, we're going through, we're two chemists who are going through the new universe, two issues at a time in the order they came out. Um, and today we'll be covering um, Night Mask number three and Cyforce number three. We thought we'd give you the um, description blurbs for those two uh, ser series, just so to orient you if you haven't tuned in before. So. Night Mask. Orphaned Keith Remsen is a counselor aided by his sister, Teddy, who uses his newfound ability to enter people's dreams to help them recover from trauma and mental illness. And Cyforce is a group of teenage paranormal psychics on the run from a government that seeks to control them. They can meld their abilities into a powerful psionic being called the Psyhawk. Sounds impressive. A lot of hawks going on in there. This is very true. I guess today I'll uh, start off with Night Mask number three. Um, this was um, cover date January 87. And it hit the, although on the inside in the Indicia, it says January 86. Oops. It's the same way I sign my checks. <laughs> We've got that time loop I was just talking to you off, off mic about already. Um, it was on the racks on September 23, 1986. And this uh, issue is called Burnout. The cover, however, is called Dream Wars. And it features um, Night Mask fighting uh, against a just a crazy group of aliens from about five different movies. And I think Dormammu from Doctor Strange, which yeah. is kind of giving away the game a bit with Night Mask. Um, there's a couple of uh, sort of red shirt crewmen who are also being killed by these aliens. And uh, it's just sort of a ac good action scene. So let's see. So the splash page, uh, semi-splash page, it's like half the page is a, is a single picture, is uh, Burnout is the issue title. And it is by writer Kerry Beats, penciler Alex Saviak, who we just saw on Justice, I think last month, and inker Paul Ryan from his work on DP7. So it's a Bit of a team effort here from the new universe crew behind the scenes to get this out yeah everybody's pitching in to help out 
deadlines were murder back then. Um, let's see. So let's see. The story starts with uh, Keith Remsen, our titular night mask, in civilian clothes in the middle of the day, um, standing in front of a house and thinking to himself uh, some of his backstory and some of setting up the scene for today. Um, that uh, he has apparently come home. Uh, his parents were killed in the first issue. And according to this, this is a, his visit uh, to, a, to his parents' house. Um, this is honestly a little confusing because as far as I read the first couple of issues, he lives in Georgetown, but now they say he's visiting Georgetown. So it's a little, I'm not sure why. Yeah, anyway. maybe uh lives in their clinic now who knows yeah <laughs> georgetown isn't that big um it's a suburb of washington dc of course so he says he's he's talking about uh, not wanting to go inside the house because they would bring all the memories from when his parents were alive before his sister got hurt and before night mask mm -hmm. um and as he's standing there someone comes up behind him and grabs him gotcha ramson <laughs> it's it's just Dan Brody, his old friend who he's come back to visit. Let me just sidebar here and say I actually knew a guy named Dan Brody, so this story is a little weird to me. Huh. Did he generally come up from behind and put you in a? He didn't do hole? that to me too often, no. But no. we didn't have the kind of back history that uh, Night Mask and he had. He was another chemist, though, so part of the brotherhood, secret handshake, and all that. <laughs> So um, he talks to his old friend, Dan Brody, who apparently he knew from high school. And this is the first time he's seen him since uh, the accident and losing his parents. And they talk for a, a page or two. Um, Keith asks him uh, where he's, if he's got plans for school or something. Keith, remember, was um, starting, uh, college the next year he's about 18 years old so he, he would maybe be a freshman if he'd gone to college um and he says here he's 140 pounds working out um but his friend seems to be stuck in his hometown and was probably a couple of years older than him so he asked him what's what's going on and the guy plays cagey he's like yeah yeah well uh let's talk another time i got business in town that just won't wait so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hang on later. Yeah, later. It's the old you haven't seen your friend in five years. <laughs> he kind of blows you off. Ouch. So Keith is uh, get a close up, and he's thinking to himself. Puts up a good front, but Dan and me, we go back too far. I know him too well. Hmm. One of his hands was shaking. He was wired. What I heard about him, maybe it's true. Ooh, okay. So Keith very suspiciously follows the guy to downtown, um, hard part of town, I guess, um, with his suitcase in his hand still, and uh, watches Dan go up to young Leon Trotsky, who is his street pusher <laughs> named Devlin. Um, is it the glasses and the trench coat? 
Yeah, this it's a uh, the goatee too. Um, something about the glasses and and goatee add up to I don't know. It's a his name's Devlin and he's you know evil Devlin Devlin. That's not in the dream. This is in real life. So I don't know what the like his last name is probably like Pillman or something too. I'm just born to Mr. be a Pusher? Pusher. It's Pouchet. Pouchet. <laughs> it's French, okay? Um, yeah, so this guy is pretty suspicious. And he's like, he gets some money from Dan Brody. And he's like, your usual prescription? Um, yeah, yeah, here you go. And uh, gives him a few pills. And uh, Keith is watching all of this. I had deceived myself before I really believed it. Dan strung out. He's got a habit, but he's not alone anymore. He's got me. So Dan uh, goes to allegedly his girlfriend Debbie's house, and who we don't where see. He's alone and uh, crashes on the couch, takes a nap. <laughs> Exciting life. My uh, rudimentary 1980s drug research. Makes me think that he probably bought and took quaaludes, which That's are good. downers. Very good. Yes. Those were very popular at the time. Um, I think they're stronger than Valium. Okay. Yeah, they kind of knock you out. So while he's uh, while he's laying down and sleeping, Keith <laughs> is watching him through the window. And uh, thinks to himself how he owes Dan so much. He was like a big brother to him all through high school. And then he thinks about the first morning he met when he was just a freshman. And uh, some, some seniors uh, were like bullying him. And Dan came in and uh, just beat them all up, I guess. So he was probably two or three years older than, than Keith at the time. Um, and he, he, you know. They were uh, a friendship forged in adversity. And uh, so he thinks about how much he owes them. And maybe, you know, maybe he can't help, but maybe night masks and settle my debt. So, <laughs> All I have to do is just go to sleep leaning against his house <laughs> in the yard. <laughs> very not suspicious okay. at all. I mean, it looks like a sort of generic suburbs. Um, I don't know how Georgetown looked back then. It's uh, I think it's mostly pretty nice now. Um, but anyway. Yeah, and then so there's he, a laser tag ad that looks a little bit like Keith Remsen. <laughs> so I feel like he's dreaming about playing laser tag. <laughs> he does actually. Yeah, the ads in this, let's we'll go through a little bit later, I think, before we finish up today. Um, but yeah, it does look like. Keith Remsen is simultaneously shooting someone with a laser gun on the next page. Um, he thinks to himself, uh, I, a little more concentration. I ought to be able to use my paranormal ability to focus on Dan's specific dream frequency. Tune in and go to, with the flow of his dream. So Keith has uh, entered Dan's dream, which is a uh, science fiction-y like spaceship 
uh, hallway where Keith is floating like there's no gravity. We switch up to the bridge where there's a lot of generic looking uh, Star Trek type extras with the old like the bridge is shaking from being hit on the ship. The and uh, blasted. There's a, there's some threatening figure on the view screen telling him to surrender. And uh, they send Ensign Brody down to uh, investigate the intruder, who is, of course, Night Mask. Tackled by Dan. I thought that chokehold felt familiar. It's Dan. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of a relationship? Different chokeholds? So he's like, oh, he looks like he's a crewman aboard the spaceship. But um, Dan says, you're, you're Markings, you're one of Valcor's minions, and Valcor is this evil, you know, ghost uh, figure alien that's uh, attacking the ship. Valcor. Um, Dan uh, takes a night mask up to the bridge and uh, introduces him to the uh, captain, who Keith recognizes, but uh, doesn't say anything to just yet. And they all play along as if it's an episode of a Star Trek type show. Um, the captain gives him a hard time, um, but the any alien Valcor, your intruder is not of Valcor's realm, and um, Valcor does not done. want any association with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do not put. I don't know him. I Valcor know him. and. And this clown in the same categories. Valcor has dignity. <laughs> oh. So we see like outside the spaceship of um, Valcor apparently and um, the one that they're on. They're both kind of generic but the uh, it, Valcor one um, is towing the one Keith is on um, into the sun and sort of flings it in there. And we then start melting the spaceship that he's on. Of course, all the people are just phantoms of Dan's imagination, except for Night Mask, who for some reason can't just fade away gently. Um, Let's see. Yeah, you get kind of an interesting bit where like the ship is melting, which you assume then means it's really, really hot but the people are more kind of like stuck in it like glue and not necessarily yeah. like frying like you're sitting on molting metal. Yeah, that's right. But whatever. It's yeah, Captain, okay. the con is melting from under me. Uh, shouldn't you be also be melting there in the end system? <laughs> Those wax um, spaceships were not the best plan. So um, let's see, Valcor says uh, he has the power, the power to bring all other beings to their knees before me. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. So Nightmask is thinking, I've got to find a way to, uh, this is Dan's own subconscious that is causing all this and it's his own buried fears that are dooming this ship. Um, and he feels the heat. Uh, he 
can't do anything about the spaceship. So uh, everyone else is just sort of fading away. The rest of the crew are just players in Dan's nightmare. They die only in the realm of his imagination. But me, I'm an intruder here. And I'm a human French fry. For real, if I'm not out of here, before the ship turns to vapor. And he sort of escapes. Yeah. Teddy is conspicuously absent in, in here. Yeah. The, the, if you haven't been following this already, Night Mask has a supporting cast of Doc Ballard, who he mentions in the first page of this issue. But then his sister, Teddy, who is his psychic anchor and sort of pulls him out of dangerous dreams. It's dangerous dreams. And uh, Lita Mercado, the standout um, Latina um, muscle um, physical therapist for the crew. Right. Um, yeah, conspicuous by their absence. Yeah, so we don't so, get them at all this issue. And, and one thing to note, if you can't see it, is the, the pills that the drug pusher handed um, his friend were like little red, you know, capsules and a ton of the imagery around Valcor, uh, you know, in his sort of shady background or as the dream is dissolving is kind of a lot of red shapes, a lot of red pills kind of thing. So get a oh, little. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The uh, I'm an intruder here page that he's like surrounded by pills shaped things. Yeah, yeah so I'm assuming that is intentional. It's probably, yeah. The Dormammu um, vague uh, quality of Valcor does make sense as like a hidden pill also. Good. Yeah. Um, so Keith is, wakes up, and I guess his friend Dan has left already. So he's just, <laughs> just hanging out, sleeping outside his uh, girlfriend's house. Time to go now, I guess. Um, but he's gone already. So he need, he goes over to Dan's house and talks to his father, who he just refers to as Mr. Brody. So we'll do the same. So um, he can't tell Brody Sr. He was the heroic starship captain in his son's dream. Now, apparently, in addition to the drug problem, or because of it, he's uh, Dan and his father are not getting along and so they're not communicating at all and that's also part of the um, issues they're having and that Keith wants to help him deal with so um, Brody Sr. shows him Dan's room and he right away notices bingo the SF posters suggest where Dan's space bound scenario came from and there's posters for Alien and Terminator yeah and on the next page, we have one for um, Star Trek, the motion picture, probably. I, I didn't double check, but I believe the Voyage Home had come out this year. This was before the next generation started, I know. So we have classic Trek with Kirk and Spock and a small model of the Enterprise um, in his room there. Yeah, the dream is very much like he's dreaming himself in the Star Trek world. So, yeah. You get an interesting story from um, Brody Sr. Uh, Keith asks him if there, did Dan ever have a traumatic experience with fire? How did you know? Dan yeah. never brings it up anymore. Years ago, there was a, 
our previous home, there was a fire when he was only 10. And they show a bit of a memory of um, Brody Sr. Uh, rescuing his son, he was a young boy at the time, um, from a, a burning bedroom. Interestingly, uh, no mention of his mother at all. Uh, like was she killed in this fire? Oh no, he, no one says. There's was there any women in this issue? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Well, I see one on the next page as like a bystander. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I thought there was like you know a little more you know, wait if, if it was like your mother died in a fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I didn't want to torture the guy too much. That's probably He's got enough problem. So Brody Sr. does like, no, he's like, uh, first it was the pills to stay awake so he could uh, study for finals. Then he got so jumpy or more pills so he could fall asleep. By the time I realized what was going on, it was too late. And uh, Keith is uh, um, optimistic. He says, uh, you know, Dan may be down, but he's not out. Not if I have anything to say about it. So we'll, we'll be in touch. Night mask. Night mask to the rescue. So first he goes over and confronts Devlin, who denies knowing anything about this. But um, Keith, who's a 140-pound 18-year-old boy, shakes down this street pusher and tells him to uh, not stop dealing to Dan Brody. So he moves off of the True Value hardware store um, cor street corner where he'd been hanging out and, but not without saying, you know, giving him sort of a, hey, you know, guys wants some drugs, someone's gonna give, give them to him uh, kind of thing, which is like, mm. I hate to agree with his kind, but he's got a point. Dang moralizing drug dealers. <laughs> so Dan shows up later and is looking around the true value for his drugs. Devlin, why aren't you on your corner? What am I supposed to do now? I got to get some uppers before I pass out. So he thinks he'll cut through the park and look for a friend. And the Downers are pretty strong, apparently, because Dan uh, feels so wasted. He lays down next to a tree and falls asleep immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that it's is a pretty convenient for our hero who can only help while in a dream. <laughs> it's pretty casual here in Georgetown. He <laughs> just sort of sleep all over the place. And, uh, but yeah, that helps a lot when your main power requires your subject to be dreaming. Yeah, uh, it's a perfectly good park bench there too. Yeah, so. Yeah, you know, sleeping on a park bench is honestly not as good as, as they, they show it in the movies. <laughs> Grass is more comfortable probably. Unless there's a giant sharp tooth mouth, weird tulip things attacking you. Yeah, so Dan's uh, goes into his dream, and he's again the um, Star Trek ensign type who is on a landing party on a planet, and he's surrounded by plants that are tulip mouths with fangs and jaws. 
Yeah, it looks like a bad right. Crest toothpaste commercial or something. <laughs> it's a nightmare of alien plant life. Hungry alien plant life. Yeah. So um, there's a zap, um, but no, it's not justice. It's uh, <laughs> the captain who's uh, shown up with a phaser-like device. Uh, no trademark uh, conflict here. Um, and he's like, all right, you're okay, Ensign. Um, where's everyone else? Well, they, they've you know, changed and uh, become, also become uh, threatened by the hostile animal life forms that run rampant all over this world. And uh, now we see them both surrounded by several aliens from um, various movies. Now, let me see. I've got, um, oh, what do you call it from uh, Alien itself? The Xenomorph, yeah. Oh, uh, xenomorph, I had to yeah. say that was the only one I could figure out by myself. <laughs> so to, his, to, to the right is uh, the Salt Vampire from the first episode of Star Trek. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then uh, the thing from John Carpenter's The Thing. Yep. And then a, a sort of just a bug alien that I, I also had trouble with. I was thinking the Metaluna mutant from this island Earth. Ooh. <laughs> Possible. I mean, closest, I and mean, you can't really tell from here in another panel, he looks more like a fly a little bit. So I think he does kind of resemble the the fly from the 50s movie mm -hmm. definitely a yeah, lot more than the Goldblum movie which was i think out at the time actually but uh yeah that's that one's a little mysterious yeah that's uh it, because it does look like uh, a bug head more than like the giant exposed brain head of the metal and the mutant yeah and i think the in the other panel you see he's got kind of like the ant type mandibles kind of in its face so, yeah I, okay. I, had to, I asked for help on this one from the new universe fan facebook page and shout out to the new universe fan right fan. and people too like carl gibson and thomas whitaker you know they they nailed it i i didn't have the sci-fi chops to figure them out thanks it's an interesting um like, like you say, there's a couple of 80s movies that would have been very contemporary and then a couple of classic sci-fi things that, you know, I mean, here I'm saying classic, like these movies were like 20 years old at the time and this is a 35 year old comic book I'm reading, but. Yeah. So who am I to judge? Um, so let's see. So Dan and his father slash captain are uh, surrounded by these hostile aliens, which they then fire on, the aliens start uh, burning, but they're not burning, they're changing. Now they've become creatures of living fire. And again, they're surrounding them. So they're, they're sort of panicking. Get a grip on yourself, son. Don't panic. I'll pull you out. And we were reliving his fire nightmare a bit here. Yeah. Um, so you stayed up late watching scary mo sci-fi movies, took too many drugs, and was reliving his childhood nightmares, uh, childhood uh, fire trauma, all, all in one. That's right. That is right. 
So he, he, his father, Captain, uh, gets out of the ring of fire and but leaves him. And he says, get out of here while you still can. There's no way to save me. No, I won't give up on you. But then he, too, is um, dragged down by sort of stone tentacles that spring out of the ground. Um, so at that point, um, Dan says, Captain, the dad. And then from off panel, congratulations, Dan. You finally realize the captain is your father. So yeah, okay. Night Mask has shown up. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic in that uh, thing. Well, congratulations, Dan. You <laughs> finally realize. Is that an important part of like this dream and his recovery? I don't know. Maybe. So he's like, okay, you can call me Night Mask. And Nightmask is then also attacked by three aliens. You have no place here, intruder. You do not belong on this world. So these three aliens are um, interesting. I've got uh, a Gorn from Star yeah. Trek. The famous a, one that Shatner uh, wrestled with on that one Star Trek episode. Yeah, that sort of lizard person. Um, and then there's the, the bug-eyed guy I, I, I had to go look it up because I'd forgotten. Um, Killers from Space. Ooh. It was a, a movie that Riff Tracks or Film Crew did a few years ago. Very low budget uh, sci-fi thing where the aliens were, had just had these pop eyes all the time. And then the red one, I do not, I could not get at all. Yeah, that um, one might be an original drawing. Well, they're all original drawings. Might be an original creation. It's a um, sort of a lizard person who's red and, and has um, some fins and um, sort of satanic looking. And you sort of add all that up. So, uh, so if I needed any more proof that Dan's dependence on drugs has sapped his will, his very will to survive, these monsters are it. His subconscious has created them to stop me before I can try to help him. So, Dan tells his night mask to, to run away, but um, he realizes he, he has an idea and he says, I'll make history repeat itself. So he changes himself to look like his younger self that Dan had helped from the bullies before. And so now he again sees this young kid who he'd saved from bullies a few years ago being threatened by these aliens. And uh, let's see how Dan reacts to that. And it works. Keith, what are you doing here? Keith, get away from them. I'll stop them. You know, and he, he comes to rescue uh, Nightmask. It worked. And now he switches back to Nightmask. And uh, says, yeah, start the help. And punching some aliens in the head. <laughs> Let's do it. And then they're confronted by Valcor. Valcor. Your mission here is clear to me now, intruder. You have failed. Brody is still mine. Mine to dominate, mine to abuse, mine to destroy. And Dan is uh, still what, pretty hooked. What could this possibly represent? <laughs> There's no way I can ever escape him, no matter where I run. I, he finds me. I'm his slave. 
And, but Night Mask tells me, it doesn't have to be that way, Dan. You fought him this far. Now go the distance. Valcor is only as powerful as you decide to make him. He's nothing you can't beat. So Valcor and Night Mask start wrestling. And um, Dan does join in. And the sort of smoke just fades away. And we're left with just Devlin. Devlin the pusher. Didn't see it coming. Beat, beat up. I was kind of hoping for like Valiant Core pharmaceuticals, like the pills would say Valcor on them or something. Or the giant angry pill with arms. Yeah, I was I was looking for that because I was thinking Valcor was going to be like you know a play on words for Valium or something like that. Um, and then I actually found um, there was a Quaalude mixture. Uh, that was brand name of Mandrax, which is Ooh. Quaalude plus Benadryl. Probably really knock your ass out, butt out. Wow. Um, uh, so that seemed like maybe a missed opportunity, like because Mandrax totally sounds like an evil alien overlord too. So yeah, yeah. But they yeah. maybe maybe they would have got in trouble by picturing that. <laughs> yeah, a little too close to uh, whatever the reality there. So. Um, Dan and Keith wake up and uh, Keith I did like I asked I didn't disturb your nap here on my couch <laughs> thanks Mr. Brody oh yeah well your son's sleeping in the park so one week later um, I guess he's been staying with them uh, you're welcome to stay longer you heard the guy dad he's got a job to do at the institute back in Virginia Okay, well, anyway, I'll, maybe I'll come back sometime. And for you, thanks, uh, Dan and Keith. Have been like nice. Uh, uh, Dan's been clean for a week and he realizes it's just a start, but you know, they're in good, optimistic frame of mind. They walk past Devlin, who's back at the true value. Yeah, they, they don't mind her, you know tainting the name of true value, but I guess the pharmaceutical industry is a little too powerful to play games. Yeah, you know, um, Devlin's uh, stepped it up a notch. Get your lewds, crack, coke, right here, gentlemen. He's diversifying, which is, you know, what you want in a pusher. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> probably not the world's stealthiest drug dealer he's always in the same spot and you know selling his drugs like the little kid selling the newspapers in the 50s you know it's like get your <laughs> newspaper here get your cocaine <laughs> yeah i've walked around a lot of cities in my time and i've never heard anyone actually just yell at me drugs lewds grades uh, see, see, the key to unlocking that world is to look like someone who should buy drugs. Because when I had like long hair and facial hair, people would try and sell me stuff. Oh, okay. I didn't look nice. like a narc like I do now. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see. They they have a nice uh, thing, and then as uh, Keith is uh, gets on the Greyhound to go home. Dan thinks, don't get so busy watching out for others at the Institute. You forget to watch out for yourself, Keith Remsen. And it's just the end. There's no next issue. Yeah. 
So let me just come out and say it. This is a fill-in issue. This is the sort of, you get, you know, okay, exactly. This is harsh when it's issue three, when it's like 203, everyone's like, yeah, okay, whatever. They're all still resting up um, from the anniversary issue. Think of it not so much as issue three as issue um, 18, 19 of the new universe. Uh, Okay, yeah, there you go. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, every year or two, sure, that would happen. And it's just unfortunate, like, when you have such, you've only had a couple of issues to make your mark on the world that you get this. I mean, it's it's a classic inventory story. They've jettisoned the supporting cast because, you know, who knows what's going on with them in the regular timeline. It doesn't really connect to the conflicts we had set up last issue. And it's um, completely self-contained. Uh, it involves people we never met before and uh, even a location we've never been to before. Yeah. yeah. Let me... Uh, and like, as we sort of mentioned earlier, it's completely missing his whole supporting cast. Yeah. Which I don't know whether to be worried about that they're being dropped or that, like, like I said, this is just a one-off. That they yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, you know, just just a you know, you, you you're an editor and you've got to have a couple of inventory stories sitting around in case your regular team doesn't come through, and um, so you're just like, yeah, just pitch me something real simple. I can stick it anywhere. You know, there you go. So unfortunately, there that's that's I think what happened here. We found in Marvel Age a um, description of upcoming issues that for Nightmask number three, that sounds nothing like this. So yep. another clue, I don't know. Yeah, because um, we left off last time and they, they introduced a new villain, this you know vampiric w- w- dominatrix looking woman who was gonna Madame have Twilight. dream powers, yeah, and, and be menacing and killed some poor rich gambling yokel guy. Or put him to sleep. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, so. Okay. It's not a so bad issue, though. It's not bad, but it is what we would call back then an after-school special. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the like, just say no era, right? So just say no. Very like, you know, drugs and whatever, which you know is another. I mean, if they only knew how bad things were now. Uh, yeah. The opioid um, has been tearing through the last few years. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't even want to get into it, but needless to say, it's a continuing problem in America. Um, yeah, but this is definitely the era of like the, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, like frying pan, egg commercial and that kind of stuff too. So. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, he's a... a Kid with um, bright future, but um, sort of a lot of problems. Um, sort of, you know, can't resolve his past, maybe, or his, you know, jump into his new a new direction while he's being held back by this. And uh, he and his father are kind of not on the same page. So, um, you know, a good sort of. If your hero is a psychoanalyst, and you know this is a reasonable um, attempt, I mean, so there you go. 
Yep, does its job. I, I, when I, I was trying to kind of context the era as much as I could, uh, or just kind of put the whole thing in context too, and you know, trying to you know ruin my internet search history by looking up drugs and things like that. But uh, it seemed like also in '86 there was a basketball player that died, so it would be like a young guy in college, yeah. Like yeah, they, like like a top draft. That was a good, uh, you know. Oh, the guy took like one hit of coke and he had a heart attack. Um, I, 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 that's how I remember it. But it was like something, yeah, that was like it's very surprising and just kind of threw everybody off. I'm sure, but it yeah. seems like that kind of fits with the story. So I don't know what to say about Night Mask number three. It's uh, it's disappointing that the continuing story didn't move forward, that the uh, supporting cast wasn't around. But um, well, I don't know. I, I'm not going to give it too harsh. The art was okay. Um, kind of enjoy the this sci-fi themed uh, dreams that this guy had. Um, I guess I, I would say this uh, there. As I said, there was no women in this issue. And sort of looking back after a couple of run-throughs, I can't help but think they were worried that there was like accidental gay subtext. Hmm. Like, um, like they throw in things like, oh, this is his girlfriend's house to kind of throw off like, you know, here's two guys and they were really close and they're like, um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It's a... Uh, Maybe the... Yeah, I don't know. If they're... Um, Even Star Trek is was kind of well-known to be sort of very diverse and sort of representational. And, you know, though our dream world Star Trek in here was... Well, our sort of Star Trek dream world was just a bunch of dudes in suits kind of thing. So. Of course, you got yeah, the landing I mean, party, and they all died. So, even if it was off, I, I would say it's probably like a um, like they they sort of wrote the story, and then sort of maybe they at some point later they were like, "Is this a little too like guy heavy?" And we're like, you know, there's not much you can do with it at that point. But it's a good. Um, it's a guy, his problems are with himself and his father. Yeah, it's a pretty stripped down story actually compared to some of the others we've seen that were like super thick with people every, you know, constantly changing scenes and points of view, characters and whatever. Alrighty. Yeah, so is it grading time? Grading time, I will take it down to a I see you struggling with this one. It's, I'm predicting B minus for you. I will also go B minus. <laughs> I, uh, I I didn't complain about it, but it's not like I'm not excited about it either. So I didn't pick up on the fact that it was a fill-in issue until you told me about the solicitation being off. Um, though it makes total sense after hearing about it, I definitely enjoyed the aliens bit. So just you know the, the silly pop culture reference and how the artist drew a bunch of movie aliens into it uh, made it kind of fun to read and and, and figure out um, 
I, I totally, I just about recognized the, the salt monster from Star Trek. Like I knew, like I'd seen that thing before, um, but I couldn't it's quite. The trouble with it. trying to look things up where you all you have is like an, an image in your mind, and you like, yeah, how to describe that? That'll, yeah, the, um, yeah, red lizard person didn't. It's not going to get me anywhere, and I can't do any Google image search on that. So whatever. Well, you I could, but you might want to leave safe search on. <laughs> Alrighty. All right. Well, shall we take a break and then come back? Yeah. Cyforce number three. Take a back. Take a break and be back with Cyforce. <laughs> Welcome back to the Marvel New Universe podcast, also known as the Spinner Rack. Sometimes. Uh, so uh, now let's take our look at Psy Force number three. All right, so our Psy Force, uh, that's a group of teenage paranormal psychics on the run from a government that seeks to control them. Uh, they can meld their abilities into a par- powerful psionic being called the Psy Hawk. I think of it as Captain Planet, but if they all don't like each other and also kind of don't trust Captain Planet. So not really at all like Captain Planet, but kind of. Anyway, uh, Cyforce number three. Um, so we have a new writer. So we have Danny Fingeroff. As a writer, uh, Mark Teixeira on art, combined with Marie Severin, who maybe did the colors on this issue. And we get Danny for a nice run now. So we get him from issues three to 15. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so other work he's done, I, I guess he wrote almost all of Darkhawk. So one to 50 on Darkhawk. Uh, I think while he was started as a Marvel editor, uh, doing Spider-Man comics. Um, but yeah, so um, online, he sort of compared the Cyforce to the X-Men. So I think you, know, you might have an idea of where he's going with them uh, as far as the things go. My, my notes are that it's more like the new, the new mutants, but you know, yeah. it's the very teen oriented um, book. The DP7, which is the other sort of um, X-Men-like book, has a real range of ages, but it's mostly 20s to 30s characters. And here the teeniness of the the main characters seems very central to the idea. Yeah, very much, yeah. I guess original X-Men, they started as younger kids, but... Oh, yeah. we're kind of used to for X-Men is sort of adults still somehow dressing up and following Xavier around, even though he dies every couple of years. You're right. But anyway, it's not an X-Men podcast. No, none of that. 
junky x-men stuff no, we, we are not looking for ratings or downloads and <laughs> popularity yeah so this issue is just titled warriors and so we start with tyrone uh, he's our kid who can astrally project himself also the jock of the group uh flying around the city right so he's having a great old time basically uh exploring his powers zipping around the bridges um they're in san francisco here correct yeah so this is right off the embarcadero you get on the splash page um which so that's would be um like a going up a hill sort of behind him and that transamerica building or that pyramid would be a little further away but it gives you a good you know look at things i think you'd be like coming in on the bay bridge from this direction gotcha place that filmed almost every 1970s car chase movie right (laughs) but anyway so yeah so he's zipping around kind of you know exploring his powers finds his way back to the you know his home right so their uh sanctuary which is kind of like an orphanage for rough and tumble teens um so he, he pops through the roof uh again he's astrally projected but everybody can see him um, and kind of interrupts a bunch of girls in the hallway, you know, maybe getting out of the shower. And uh, uh, Kathy notices him and yells at him. <laughs> very subtle. Very, very subtle. I hope no one sees me. Tyrone! <laughs> Get out of here. You'll ruin everything. It's like, oh, no, I'm just talking to Stasi here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. They're trying to run interference. Tyrone comes back to his body, but realizes there's a whole group of people around him uh, checking out and wondering why he's not going to wake up. Um, and, you know, this is, I think, the first time in Cyforce where we see there's a bunch of other kids at the sanctuary. Like, we didn't, I don't recall running into any other ones. Yeah, I didn't get that sense from the first couple of issues. Uh, we know there's a, a woman who maybe has her own assistant who runs the place. Yeah, but, but, but now it feels almost like a dormitory, right? There's a lot yeah, of kids around. At first, it was more like a boarding house kind of a feel where it's like, here's a person who's got a couple extra rooms in her house and these kids are crashing there. But now, yeah, it's we, we can count up the people in one of the scenes later for like how an estimate of how many uh, teens are at this place, but it's... Uh, it's more like a youth hostel or something. I don't know. Right. So, so yeah, there, there's tough looking guy, kind of a buzz cut and a rat tail and maybe a scar over his eye and a knife. And so for whatever reason, he's so annoyed that Tyrone wait, won't wake up that he wants to stab him awake. <laughs> so clearly not a good dude. Um, you know, until he does get interrupted by their caretaker and she just shouts him all out. It's like, get out of here. And, everybody kind of scrambles and she knows about the kids powers uh, but is not so happy that they're using them uh, in a way that can get them caught so tyrone gets back into the body and you know she kind of scolds them and you know hawk asked me to take care of you but he's dead and you know you guys better watch it and she's not being terribly nice to them oh thanks for reminding us that our friend and mentor is dead Right after we spent all last issue hauling him across San Francisco just so he could come back, <laughs> this is the thanks we get. 
<laughs> 30 minutes later. Um, so basically at this point, you know, the kids are walking to school, best I can tell, maybe not the nicest neighborhood, just kind of some boarded up buildings. Um, the uh, goons from before kind of checking him out, uh, though don't confront them at this point. Uh, absent so far has been Wayne, uh, our cranky, I hate the world, and especially hate my dad team, kind of maybe leader of the Psy Force. They're not really Psy Force, though. They're just a bunch of kids at this point. Psy Force is just the title. Um, so he's leaning up against the, you know, they, they notice him from school, and he's kind of leaning up against the flag post and smoking and kind of indifferent to the world. So, yeah, that's... I mean, if you're going to skip school, don't just stand across the street from school smoking and looking cool. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's what you not... do when you don't care at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so we get a little bit of the kids in school, uh, you know, almost sort of happy, uh, starting to try and think about fitting in. Uh, Kathy's jealous of some girl's fancy sweater, right? Um, and uh, Michael Crawley, who's unfortunately nicknamed Creepy, uh, is answering a teacher's question in class. And it's like, well, actually, according to this paper that I read, <laughs> uh, kind of one-ups the teacher, uh, thus causing the goons from before, or at least one of them, uh, to get annoyed because he's making them making class go long. <laughs> so uh, yeah. It gets triggered pretty easy. The um, I mean, it's a good setup, but like you know, the subject the teacher is talking about is apparently just the circulatory system, and these are high school, so you know, Crawley is like, ah, oh, you know, this uh, doesn't uh, this recent paper uh, dispute all that stuff? And it's like it must be very basic stuff she was just telling them. So I can't imagine what new discoveries about the circulatory system have been found but uh, turns out the blood runs the other direction i don't know <laughs> classic that heart isn't really that helpful at all what's really yeah. so yeah. i did like um of the three or four uh, and their um time in various classes i like stasi's the most i know colby arranged for us all to be registered here but what if someone finds out i'm in this country illegally Will I be forced to go back to the Soviet Union? <laughs> oh, Stasi, poor, naive, foreign person. Well, I mean, judging by her, uh... <laughs> yeah, I see. Uh, judging by her personality in the previous issues, like, you know, if they had a career day and someone's dad was like an immigration officer, she would turn herself in right away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm not supposed to. I don't mean to break the law. I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, so our, our thugs are annoyed uh, because they had to stay in class longer. I guess they were, were hoping to get out early. Uh, as far yeah. as go. So By the they, way, have you, oh, go ahead. you ever watch um, Karate Kid? Oh, yeah. I, 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 it was one that I missed. And I was just thinking these guys look like Karate Kid villains. Well, I think the, the Karate Kid villains were more kind of like, you know, 
yuppie rich kids like you know they they were in the angry karate school but they were more like popular kids where uh these guys are more like street toughs uh and, and of course they have amazing names cool and stig cool and stig yeah the the I, I, we've seen a tradition in the new universe of very strange names for uh, sort of transitory villains. Um, yeah, but I, I can respect those are good names. They rough up Michael a little bit, throw his books over, toss him uh, to the ground. He hurts his knee. Uh, his friends kind of come up at the end there to help him out. Um, and you know, as he's kind of getting up, the, the goons kind of stiffen, right? So one guy's like stops and says, uh, so, so sorry about this. And cool says, we've got to go see you at the sanctuary. So like all of a sudden they kind of stop and, you know, become polite and friendly. Uh, and then we see Wayne again in the background. Uh, so he pushed them uh, to uh, help Michael out. So there's a little bit of a theme of the book of, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, Wayne shows up and bails all the other kids out of their trouble um, <laughs> and i always like kathy too because you know she thinks the powers are gross <laughs> that, that seems to be her term every single time it's like wayne you went into their minds you pushed them gross me up gross me up okay i don't know <laughs> save save their butts that's what he did so yeah trying to trying to say thanks um, you know, why weren't you in school? School, I've been wondering why I'm still in this cruddy burg. Why, why don't I just leave? See you guys later, maybe. Right. So it also kind of sets up some of the interest in this book is, you know, he's sort of the free loner. Like he said he was out of there as soon as, you know, they got back to the sanctuary, you know, but he's still around. And he's kind of wrestling in his mind, like, why am I still around? Like, I should be out of here. I should be hitting the road. Uh, he's yeah. not. We we think it's kind of a pose, but yeah, he does really seem to be struggling with leaving because to us it seems pretty funny that he keeps saying he wants to leave and he never leaves. But uh, apparently, it's really bothering him. So. Yeah, perhaps not. Just like he doesn't have the heart of gold, and he's you know looking out for everybody. Then something else is is going on. All right, so, so we get a meanwhile uh, back at CIA uh, with Skipper, who was sort of a friend of Proudhawk, and was throughout the comic so far uh, trying to be sort of an ally for the kids and also trying to figure out what, what the heck was going on. Um, and so he's talking to his boss and what mostly amounts to sort of like a recap part uh, of what happened in the last issue. Uh, that's a Marvel Comics Jim Shooter staple, I think, is explaining what's going on in the comic. But the it's, it's it's a it's a funny setup for a recap because it's not him explaining this to his boss; it's him thinking this stuff to himself and how not to tell his boss this stuff. And now we're in the classic school lunchroom scene, right? So um, this is what I was saying. There's at least a dozen kids here. Yeah, and this is kind of what I struggle with. Like, is this the this isn't the school? It's the sanctuary, or is are they the same thing? Are they going to school in the sanctuary? Are they walking to it? Like, it's a little mixed up. Um, I 
thought this was sanctuary, which is large enough, according to this panel, to have a cafeteria, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a much bigger operation. It kind of, I thought it just looked like a house previously. So, I mean, it may be sort of the concept ex is expanding a little bit <laughs> uh, with the new writer <laughs> as far as things go. Um, so, yeah, so they're sitting around the table. Wayne comes back. Um, and they start to talk about how they all got here, right? So again, he's kind of hung up on like, why am I here, right? <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. How did I get here in the first place? So they all kind of tell their story of, you know, after they've gotten their powers, you know, perhaps something happened. Um, and then, you know, they decided this is interesting to run away. This wasn't in the previous issues, in, by the way. Yeah, because they didn't explain uh, other than Stasi's story, where she was directly rescued by Proudhawk from the Russians, everybody else was already at the, the at the sanctuary. All right. So, like, what's going on? Like, we all decided around the same time to do the same thing, right? And at the same time, you know, you were smuggled out of Russia. Like, this is too much to be a coincidence. Um, so let's let's point out that the white event was July twenty second, I think. Oh, do we have a date for that? Yeah, I forget if I pulled where I pulled that from. Uh, if it was extraneous, sorry, but um, that's the the date I I have from. Uh, I'll have to go back and look for the source now. Yeah, no, the cool. um, the kids all say end of July, late July, July twenty seventh. So this is yes. all right you know days after the alleged white event and they all say like oh, it was right after my psychic powers became strong mm -hmm. very quickly yeah so after that conversation you know again you know they're still kind of hanging out in the sanctuary uh wayne's kind of trying to figure it out is well now wayne has kind of given up and just kind of sitting in the window smoking i think he's smoking in every single appearance of this issue or has a cigarette <laughs> you know so Whereas the night mask told us to stay away from drugs. Uh, Cyforce has their coolest character looking cool by smoking and having a leather jacket. So eh. come on, there's mixed message here. I don't remember if there was a age for buying cigarettes back then, maybe 18. Oh, yeah, there must've been right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So Tyrone's trying to figure it out. So he, he interrupts Stasi, of course, or no, uh, Kathy, of course, um, Saucy's sleeping, their roommates, um, trying to figure out what's going on. Right? So he, he decides to go raid the records in the headquarters in Washington. Uh, and while he's got these astral powers, right, so super convenient, you can get in anywhere, uh, he sees the, the skipper uh, at work, uh, considers questioning him because straight for the files before he realizes that he can't actually open the file cabinet because he's a ghost. Oops. It's good use of, yeah, powers but limitations. Yeah, so, so yeah, he's got an interesting power. I'm not sure what he can really do with it, um, perhaps besides recon at this point, but maybe we'll get some creative use of his power there. Um, so he basically just decides to bust through the wall, well, you know, goes through the wall, uh, scare the pants off of Skipper. He says, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and just decides to chat him up. So, you know, Skipper's 
I guess he must be feeling in too deep at this point, decides, eh, I'll just give you some classified information. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, and so, yeah, like the, the date, uh, the dates where Proudhawk was uh, coincide exactly to the times when all the kids decided to up and run away. So, you know, we're, we've made the connection that uh, maybe yep. Proudhawk pushed them psychically to run away from home so he could uh, rescue them or you know whatever else yeah. he was up to it's interesting we get uh, the the hometowns of them let's see richfield vermont white plains new york chicago illinois as we, we knew and santa monica california so i think kathy is in fact a valley girl by this sort of standard yeah the, Which um, makes sense. And it's all, like I said, if White Event was this 22nd, by the 24th, Proudhawk is out, you know, gathering up these uh, psychic kids. So, yeah, he's really, he, he knew what was going on. Of course, at this point, he's dead, though. So, we don't really know uh, if, if there were some extra motives other than just rescuing these kids, right? So. But he was definitely able to figure them out uh, as soon as they got their powers, which is interesting. So yeah, so Tyrone flies back, uh, back into his slumped over body. Again, <laughs> Kathy's kind of fun in this issue. Uh, it's like, Wayne was right. I just saw the skipper is about to tell him. She's like, never mind that. I've had to sit here grossed out watching your body. I had to wake up Stassi just to keep me from dying of disgust. <laughs> so I don't know why him sleeping there is that gross, but you know, cannot delve into the mind of the teenage girl. <laughs> Just got to take it as it is. We're getting a little bit more out of the other characters this issue, which is also nice. Yeah, it is nice because we didn't do a whole lot other than run away so far, uh, you know, and occasionally fight when they got cornered. Um, so, you know, gather the team back together. So Wayne and Michael are roommates apparently. Um, and basically spilled the beans, right? So they, they're, they're figuring out what, that there's a connection there. So they all kind of get together, uh, decide they're going to uh, go out and try and question the Cyhawk. Uh, but uh, I don't know which is which. I think Cool is the most menacing of the bad guys and not Stig. So I think Cool uh, is spying on them. So he, he recognizes that they're up to something. So he kind of follows them, them out as they go out into a park nearby and uh, try and see if they can actually converse with Cyhawk. Because so far, every time they've summoned him, he's popped out, you know, used their powers, killed somebody or, or saved the day, you know, mind wiped everybody and just disappeared. But you know, we'll see. So. They've got their medallion, they all have to touch it, and then they can summon him. Uh, if they're not all there, then he can, it's like a weakened version, right? Uh, but they're all there, summon the Cyhawk, the Cyhawk lives again. Uh, Cyhawk lives. So all of this, Cool uh, is witnessing, uh, chalking it up to like they have some kind of projector and they're all special effects wizards, right? So he can't quite comprehend what's going on. Um, you know, I, maybe it's just because Tyrone works this way, but like that astral projection and he just like his body just drops. 
I guess my impression at first was that that's kind of what happens to them when they summon Cyhawk. I can't remember now. Oh, where right. They were. Well, the second time they summoned them, they all got gunned down immediately afterwards, <laughs> brutally. <laughs> uh, so we'd have to go back to issue one to check on that, I think. So, yeah. So it's yeah. It seems strange to me that like we'll we'll be conscious and able to question the Cyhawk. Yeah, but, I mean it's definitely more convenient. Like if every time they summon their powerful being, like they don't like if they all drop to sleep on the ground. Yeah, that's a little tricky. Yeah, but yeah, maybe it could be an inconsistency already. I'm not really sure yet. Uh, Wayne th- tries to question question him. Uh, you know. We've got a right to know some things. We know that Hawk made us all come together in this town. Did he do anything else? What did he want? What right did he have to do anything? Who are you? Are you Hawk? Are you us? Oh, no answers. <laughs> oh, you will get some sort of vague imagery-based answers. But the Psy Hawk says nothing. Instead, he disappears in a blinding flash of light. And on the ground, directly below where he had been hovering, a bush. <laughs> You're expecting some kind of cool artifact or like an instruction booklet? <laughs> no. So, a bush. Look what he did. He blew most of it away except for five branches and he wrapped them around each other into one. Okay. It's not quite as I, cool as the imagery in the first issue. Yeah, between this and the five rabbits, and the, <laughs> I mean. Maybe I they all need to work together to stay alive. Maybe. You know, they can survive explosions if they're just together, just like the bush did. <laughs> oh, there should something more with like Native American heritage would have been nice. I don't know. Yeah, but like, but they're not. So yeah, Cyhawk is still a kind of a mystery. Though he definitely wants them all together. Um, so Cool is freaked out. Uh, he's ready to, to to get out of there. Uh, but Wayne's pissed, right? So he's like, oh, this is, this is garbage. He throws the medallion that they need to actually use the power. Uh, no, no clue whether anyone actually bothers to recover it, but he walks off. He's like, I'm out of here. The kids are like, oh, okay. Should we have convinced him to stay? I don't know. <laughs> was that like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they're all kind of bummed. Like, we're not really sure what to do. They didn't get any answers. It's still kind of mysterious. Um, but, you know, another day, you got to walk through the ghetto and go to school. Uh, Wayne ha- has made good on taking off now, so he's hitchhiking out of here, uh, ready, ready to leave uh, again, though, as he's almost gone, right? So we're not sure exactly how far, but it looks like he's out in the countryside. He's like, it just says 120 miles away from San Francisco, but oh, good catch, yeah. it doesn't but say he, which direction. We got a ways out, right? At least I finally left. How come I feel like I want to go back, right? Like I felt outside the schoolyard. What's wrong with me? I can't think straight. It's like I'm not in control of myself anymore. So he zaps a driver going by, controls his mind, tells him to turn around. So he's going back, right? So he, he literally, literally, his brain won't let him leave. Which is interesting, right? Um, so back to the kids. Uh, before they get to school, they get jumped by a lot of goons. 
So Cool and Stig are there, a whole bunch of others. There's a lot of knives and pipes and looking like they mean real business here. It's not just uh, fooling around anymore. Um, so they kind of confront them, scare them down an alley, but that was an ambush, right? So um, they are basically surrounded, right? So four kids. There's even more goons in the, more, more goons, in the alley. Yeah. get all these goons. <laughs> this is quite the team gang here. Uh, yeah, it's no, no idea if these are the kids from Sanctuary or not. Yeah. No, well, at least one is. Well, I mean, Stig, Stig, Stig and Cool are definitely at Sanctuary, but then these other kids, I don't know. No, no, there's no... Yeah, it's not clear at all. Uh, so, a fight. Right, so Tyrone takes out the first one, and then just everybody's rumbling, right? So our, our kids don't really stand much of a chance. They definitely put up a fight. Uh, they stop. say they don't want to try the powers, yeah. so they're avoiding that at first, right. and they get very beaten up. They do put up a fight. Eat Converse, jerk, and <laughs> Michael uh, steps into Stig's face, I guess. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, very ineffective. The girls get also threatened with knives by gang, female gang members, I guess. Yeah. So, but I mean, Stasi can heal. She's not going to help. Tyrone can go astral. That's not going to help unless it scares him for a minute. Michael can explode things. So unless he wants to kill these guys, you know, really, Kathy's probably the only one that has a useful power. But again, they're worried about getting thrown out if and they, they can't use their don't feel like they can use their powers in public, right? So just when they're down and out, well, we kind of know what's going to happen, right? You know, Wayne comes back and um, Kathy's about to, to do something or about to use her powers, but until Wayne shows up, just let them all go. It's like, we outnumber them three to one. It's like, well, probably more than that, especially since the rest of the teens are on the ground, uh, but he uses his powers and mind controls and just knocks out everybody. Right, so he wipes out the whole squad of goons, uh, leaving his friends okay. Uh, showed up right in the nick of time. So they're all kind of hanging over each other and smiling like, you saved us. You know, we didn't even have to reveal our powers. We knew you'd come back. Yay. <laughs> and it's like, no, stuff it, Crawley. Don't you jerks understand? I didn't come back because I wanted to. I came back because I was forced to, pushed by the Psyhawk. He's been pulling our strings all along. It's tied together as those branches on that bush. So he got the imagery. <laughs> we didn't win today. We lost. We lost the only thing we had in this stinking world. And that, that, that meant anything. Ourselves. Oof. Boom. Next, Kathy's secret. And so you get a nice image of uh, Wayne yelling and yeah, sort of a ghostly specter of Cyhawk's face in the background. You don't control your own destiny, do you, teens? <laughs> That's good. I got to admit, I'm looking forward to Kathy's secret. She's I, yeah. a little underdeveloped, so yeah. Right? Whatever it is, Wayne's going to yell at her about it, probably, though. <laughs> That's the dumbest secret ever. <laughs> Why are you so useless? <laughs> Quiet down, Wayne. You're so gross. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this was a strong issue. 
It did. I mean, I really enjoyed it um, more than the first two. Really feels like, you know, we're off in a direction at least. And, yeah. Uh, it's got some more character development. The same night, like later that morning. Oh, we have to take his body over here now. Oh, come on. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's, the comic book. Um, but not as fun. Not as fun. So yeah, character development. Um, the, the the kids are you know they argue with each other a lot, but you get a better sense of who they are, and um, this sort of sense of being trapped by this whatever mentor or their psychic connection or something is like yeah, and they've I mean, they've they, got this ultimate power, right? You know, potentially they the Cyhawk will kind of follow their commands or, or come to save the day kind of thing. And they have interesting powers, but, you know, like Starbrand, you can't really use them unless you want the whole world to know that you have these weird powers that no one else has, right? You know, there's no costumes. <laughs> they've got two governments after them. Uh, they're barely hanging on, um, you know, by sheer nature of, you know, every time they kind of get bailed out by mind wipes from Cyhawk, right? So, you know, they're not in a good way. They got no leader, right? We kind of thought Skipper might step into that role, but he hasn't. So they're really yeah. just kind of on their own and they're not really friends yet too much. They're maybe getting a little closer. Yeah, they could use, yeah, like a teacher figure or a leader, but... Yeah, yeah, Skipper's not there for that, and he doesn't know anything about psychic powers. And if he did, was he does not? He seems Old, a little clueless. Colby Shaw is just sort of a you know, den mother. Um, she had an assistant last issue. I don't know if that woman will come back. Um, but yeah, you're, they're on their own, and they're kind of and oh, when everyone around them is hostile. They can't just run away to like another city or something. So yeah. Another sort of complication. And they literally um, can't separate either, as we found. So interesting. Which is an interesting way of solving the Wayne problem because he has does not want anything to do with them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Cyhawk is not taking that for an answer, apparently. Yeah. It's a little like there was a movie where like two prisoners were like chained together and they escape. And so they're like both trying to escape and get this chain so they can go their own ways. Um, it's a little like that with five people. Let's see. Every time I read this, so on my own, I read like, hey, this is good. You know, it's, it's a fun comic. And then when I come here to talk about it, I enjoy it even more. So like talking about Cyforce is almost yeah, it boosts my ratings every time, I think. And it's probably just Wayne, but Yeah, he's he's a he's <laughs> it never ends with Wayne. I'm out of here. Uh, he's yeah. so angry. The uh the other kids in school, um bullies. Oh, the the I think the title Warriors is just uh, like uh reference to the movie warriors about uh, gangs in new york city yeah they all had this sort of colorful costumes and i think it's available on amazon prime this month if you okay yeah, i mean it's a little iffy connection to the story until the end where there was definitely like a gang of goons with 
Yeah, yeah they certainly weren't as colorful, but you know, gangs was a thing in seventies, eighties. I guess San Francisco as well as New York. So, so when they're all being pushed to leave their homes, so uh, Wayne in Chicago is pretty, you know, is just on the street, and we get views of the others like literally leaving their homes. Michael is um, some rural kind of you know, out in the uh, sticks of Vermont. But uh, then um, Tyrone and Kathy, I think both are in like palatial mansions. Oh yeah, I didn't pick up on that. They're, they're pretty nice uh, homes that they're leaving. Um, yeah, Wayne, Tyrone says, uh, calls it Scarsdale, which is a pretty um, uh, nice uh, place in New York. Uh, the greater New York area. Um, so I don't know. Wealthy, maybe. I don't know. You still got a rate side for us. What would you give it this time around? I will take it up to uh, at least B, maybe B plus. I'm enjoying things now. Um, so I'm more optimistic about the future of Cyforce. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a B comic, um, and but I'm just, I'm probably just very biased every time I read it. Right? It just it's fun. Uh, I've got a little more from the characters this time. It's a little less wordy. There was a lot of uh, background, and you know, the the more time they spend with the CIA characters, the less interested I get. Honestly, uh, the more time with the teens causing problems the better. So I was thinking B plus as well. So we are in total agreement this episode. Perfect. <laughs> as such, everyone who reads this should agree. This is clearly an above average comic. 88%. Is, so, is there an official B, B plus number grade? I guess it's just between like 89 and 86. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to get that uh, pinned down. Yeah. I, um, so we had noticed the ads, this like new publishing month. Um, the back cover of uh, these issues tonight were um, the fifth edition of um, Dungeons and Dragons basic set, the BECMI set, they would call it now. The set five immortals rules. Mm. Sounds like fun. Yeah. So the rules to what to do with godlike characters? Is that what I'm reading? That's right. Yeah. If your character level gets so high that you don't have like challenges anymore, uh, there's a new set of rules for characters that are now godlike and you know, so hopefully challenges arise in that level. So I guess the height of that was level 36. Interesting that they stop at 36. I think the farthest I ever made it in a D&D campaign was like level seven or eight. I mean, you can imagine once you've maxed out the spell, you know, levels and everything, trying to think of things to do would be pretty rough. And so there was like, yeah. I don't think that I know how successful Immortals Rules was, but, um, <laughs> you know, 
for those who who kept going for a long time with their campaigns and they needed to be like become demigods um, there you go let's see we've got a new house ad uh for the new universe again uh new heroes new legends new universe nice yeah with the slightly awkward drawing of all of the characters I guess we covered that already because I remember the doctor in DP7. Yeah, he's wearing some kind of weird uh, spacesuit in this one, which he never has in the whole rest of the uh, series, for sure. See, I always like the ads when, I mean, because a lot of them are drawn in sort of comic book style anyway. So, you know, they, they almost kind of sneak up on you. Especially as we started mentioning in uh, Nightmask, the, the laser tag art. <laughs> I mean, for all we know, Nightmask is dreaming about laser tag and, you know, Spider-Man fighting against the soggy serial dudes and stuff. <laughs> Freeing Captain Crunch. Yeah, I think the, the thing that uh, kind of surprising looking back on it is how many of them are for like comic book stores or for comic book mail uh, order services so that you can get the back issues you need because you just started collecting comics and there's no trade paperbacks, you know. Um, there's a couple of uh, like X-Men classic reprints going on, but. Yeah, actually, interestingly enough, on like page eight, there's a, one of those catalogs that gives the old uh, the old uh, prices for things. Like oh, yeah. Alpha Flight 1 through 12, only $2 each. But it actually has the new universe uh, comics on there. There we go. And Limit five ones, each. Ones that aren't even out yet. So you can star brand one through four, only a dollar. Cover price, 75 cents. <laughs> Limit five each though, yeah. I mean, were we were we already speculating a lot under these? Yeah, you could buy Watchmen number one for two bucks. <laughs> that probably would have been be a good deal at this point. Yeah, that that would have held up pretty well, but um, let's see, anything else? No letters page yet. Still no letters page, and unfortunately, this universe news is the same as and checklist is the same as last month. So we're having to dive into some of the um, Marvel Age archives to find out some more of the context of this month's uh, publishing schedule. So we'll give you more of that as we go along. Find out what we're missing out on. It would be interesting if the the incorrect solicitations then eventually match like the next comic or or the one after that. Yeah, I'm hoping. Um, so both uh, Nightmask and Cyforce wasn't really um, very close to what happened, and it has the writer from the first couple of issues. So it's possible they were sort of more planning on things and then things got switched out but um yeah we'll see if things just got pushed back a month or something I don't know. yeah yeah because from what i saw on the internet and i haven't checked my individual issues it looks like 
this is our writer for Cyforce, you know, for quite a while. So, yeah. So, I mean, this things may um, be consistent for a while, then, and, and we'll see more more um, solicitations that match up with what we're getting. Um, it can be a little random, I, I think, in some of these early issues. Um, yeah. I don't know why. But I, I blame the editors. Uh, or is it the writers who can't meet their deadlines? Or the artists? I, I don't know. Like you said, 35 you know, years ago. <laughs> all, I can, all I can say is I don't feel like Cyforce was a fill-in in the same way that Nightmask was. It wasn't disconnected. It seemed to flow reasonably well from the first couple of issues and sort of look forward to a next issue so yeah i'm comfortable that the evil lady that we saw at the end of issue two like doesn't have to show up the next day right you know so other things can be going on and you know she's yeah that's reasonable <laughs> she was probably i think she was in the united states like louisiana or something like that so she got a little traveling time wherever night mask is yeah yeah we'll, um, we'll see already um i guess that'll do it for us this week yeah another successful two comics read over the course of 45 hours <laughs> next week we'll be back with um i think it's kickers inc and merc oh yeah hazard time for some more merc let's start the body count clock up again See, only two down last issue. Let's Is it two, or, two or three? Three of the guys who attacked him at the uh, baseball game. Yeah, so body count will likely rise. <laughs> Onward and upward. All right, so yeah, check out the next podcast. And you can also email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com if you want to say something. You could be our first email, unless you're listening to this years and years after we first created it. All right, signing off.